want to start with a parable. Um, it's the parable of the ten virgins. And I want to talk about what it means to prepare for the kingdom. And so in Matthew 25, 1 through 13, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is a bridegroom, come out to meet him. All of the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And so in this parable, I kind of want to look at two separate pieces of this. I want to look at what it means um, for the Lord himself to say, I do not know you. But I also want to look at what it means to prepare for the coming of the Lord, the, our actual Lord, um, that the bridegroom of the story mirrors. And I think that makes a lot of sense to me because the church is supposed to be the bride of Christ. And so I want to look first at Matthew seven twenty one through 23 that says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And when I read that at first, it can be confusing because you would think that prophesying and casting out demons and doing mighty works in the name of Christ is exactly the will of the Father, right? But it's people who do those things. It's not all people who do those things, but there are people who do those things who Christ says, I don't know you. You are not entering this kingdom because you have not done the will of the Father. And so I think before we can go anywhere else in that, we have to look at what, what is the will of the Father, right? And so in John six thirty eight through 40, Jesus lays it out pretty straightforward. And it says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so we look at that and we're like, okay, yes, so we have to have we have to believe and have eternal life, and that's the ultimate will of the Father, right? He desires for all people to be saved, for all people to come to knowledge of the truth. That's another scripture. And then we look and we say, so how do people who don't know the Father, who aren't doing his will, who aren't believing, who aren't also maybe even if they're believing, they're not doing anything for other people to believe, they're not working the will of the Father for all to believe and come 
along and enter the kingdom, but they're doing these works. And I think what we miss is they kind of skip a step. And I think of the parable and I think these virgins were supposed to be brides, right? And they were supposed to be part of this marriage ceremony. They were supposed to go into the Lord's feast, but they didn't prepare. And so they, they maybe even, you know, bore the name of bride or fiance, maybe. I don't know if that's technically really how it worked then, but they may have technically been what they were supposed to be, but they weren't ready for it. And so they may be doing things that look like the will of the Father or would otherwise be the will of the Father, but they're not really prepared for those things. And that's what I think of when I read Matthew 7, uh, that Lord, Lord, not everyone who says Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom. And so what do we do? How do we prepare to enter the door of the kingdom? How do we prepare for the feast? How do we prepare to be received for the bridegroom and to know the Lord and to do his will? And I was praying about this, and I kept thinking about John the Baptist. And so I want to read the scripture about John the Baptist and about what his call was. And in Luke 1, 76 through 79, it says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the rise sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so the one who prepares the way of the Lord, he goes to give knowledge of salvation for his people and the forgiveness of their sins, right? That's what John the Baptist does. He goes and he does this. And I want to read from Matthew 3, 1 through 6 to look at not just a prophecy of what he will do, but what he says as he's in the midst of preparing the way for the Lord. So Matthew 3, 1 through 6 says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. He said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts, wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So I'm going to pause there, and I want to look at repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the preparation for Jesus is repentance. Right? It's a confession of sins. It's a changing of one's mind, of one's actions, of one, one's heart for the kingdom of heaven. And I think sometimes we look at it and we think that's all Jesus came to do. But in fact, that should be prepared the way for what Jesus came for. And this is the preparation that I think is missing of doing the Father's will and then jumping into works. It's the preparation that's missing in the parable of the ten virgins of they didn't take any oil with them. They just kind of jumped into the journey. But Matthew 3 continues in 7 through 12, and it says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. 
And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he is coming, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. There's a lot in this, right? So there's the Pharisees and the Sadducees who, John says, who even told you to come here? You have to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You can't just come be baptized and it will fix everything and it will change your heart. You have to continue in it. And instead of continuing in this change of heart, you sit on the faith you have saying, ah, Abraham's our father, we're fine but you're not bearing any fruit from Abraham being your father. You need to repent or you will be thrown into the fire. But then he also continues more than that, more than even the repentance that John preaches and baptizes in. He says, the one coming after me, Jesus Christ, I am not worthy to carry his sandals and he baptizes you beyond this. He baptizes the Holy Spirit and fire. I read this and I think we miss it a lot I think we we turn baptism into nothing but a symbol and we miss the baptism of the Holy Spirit we miss that there should be an actual change in who we are when we come to baptism because baptism is supposed to be a burial with Christ and a resurrection into new life in the Spirit and I uh Actually, I'm also not even just saying that. I have. I want to read two pieces of scripture, both in Acts, where people are baptized without the Holy Spirit. And the response of the apostles is to go baptize them as soon as they hear this. And so I'm going to start with Acts 8, 12 through 17. Um, and right before this, there is a man named Simon who is practicing magic or sorcery in the towns, and he's performing all these miraculous seeming signs and wonders and then the apostles come in and are working in the holy spirit and everybody says oh wow this is different and so acts 8 12 through 17 right after this but when they believed philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of god in the name of jesus christ they were baptized both men and women even simon himself believed and after being baptized he continued with philip And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them to Peter and John, or they sent them, Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And so this is huge. The fact that these people come to believe when they've been following sorcery, following witchcraft, that's a very big thing. And that is a great testimony to repentance. But when the apostles hear, they say, you've only been baptized into the name of Jesus. You have not received the spirit. 
and they go, and it's, I mean, they, they send Peter and John, you know, Peter and John are kind of big deals, and they send them, and they say, no, 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 you should receive the Spirit, and the story goes on, um, and Simon the sorcerer shows that his heart has not truly and fully been redeemed, he offers money for the ability to um, give others the Spirit of God. But I want to read from Acts 19, 2 through 6, where something similar to this happens. And he says, He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he, Paul, said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul says, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And I think this goes back, obviously, to the scripture that explains what John's call was, what his purpose was. And it was to baptize for repentance, to believe in Jesus that he is coming, but Jesus baptizes into more. And so I want to bring this back to the parable of the ten virgins. I want to bring this back to those who did prepare and those who did not prepare. And I also don't want to, I don't want to disconnect it from Matthew 7, 21, 23, those who are prophesying and casting out demons in the name of the Lord. But he says, truly, I do not know you. I never knew you. And so we can prepare and we can be brought into the bridegroom's feast, brought into the kingdom of God. And I think of that, and I think of you prepare with the repentance, with the believing in Christ, with what John came to teach people was coming. And you are welcomed into the kingdom of the Spirit of God. You are ushered in with the Spirit. We can also try to do one without the other, right? We can try to just go to the feast when we haven't prepared. We can try to receive the Spirit, to act in the Spirit. We can prophesy and we can cast out demons and do mighty works. And sometimes those things might work. There's scripture about also when uh, trying to cast out names, demons in the name of the Lord and you don't know the Lord, that it doesn't work. And it ends very badly. Those people are beaten and stripped naked by demons and cast out of the house. But we can also do the opposite. We can prepare and then never enter into the feast. And that's not what God wants either. That's not what his people want. And that's why when we are, when when the apostles hear you've been baptized into John's baptism, into repentance, into belief that Jesus is who he says he is, they go to give you more. They go to usher you into the kingdom right? Because what's the point of making the journey if you're not ushered in? And if you're not, if you haven't taken that step, the the parable ends in watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And so you have to be prepared for when the call to come into the kingdom comes. And I don't want to, I don't want to diminish the understanding of this as having to do of also, you don't know when you're going to die. You don't know when the second coming of Christ is going to come. And things are 
going to be put into a final eternal judgment for either eternal life with Christ or the second death in the fire, the lake of fire and sulfur. But I also have seen people miss the kingdom here on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven because they weren't prepared when the Spirit came, when the Spirit wanted to work, when the Spirit wanted to work through them, when the Spirit wanted to work for the will of God so that all who believe in the Son of Man when they look upon him have eternal life. So I want to end and I want to ask, are you prepared? Have you repented? Have you confessed your sins? Have you been, have you entered into a change of heart? That's what repentance is about. But also, are you ready to enter the kingdom? When the bridegroom comes, when the spirit comes, are you ready? Do you want it? Do you seek it? And if you're ready for that, seek it. Because it's important to believers. It's important to us. It's so important that they sent Peter and John immediately to come down and lay hands on these people. And so I want to end and I want to encourage you. If you haven't prepared, do so. It's worth everything that it will cost. And I won't pretend that it doesn't have a cost. You have to buy the oil. You have to take the time. You have to prepare. You have to lose your pride. You have to lose... Sometimes you have to lose family even. Jesus says he came to divide households even down to the mother and daughter and mother... or mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. But to enter the feast is worth everything it costs to give what you have to to prepare for the journey and I don't want I don't want you to wait I don't want you to go thinking that the belief that you have is the end because Christ said it was better for him to die so that we could have his spirit the will of the father is for us to prepare for us to believe for us to have eternal life and then to go prophesying and casting out demons and doing mighty works yes that is often a part of it but is only a part of it when it is a part of our preparation preparation and a part of the salvation of those who believe and a part of them receiving the knowledge of truth and so I'm going to challenge you to prepare, but I also want to challenge you not to separate your preparation and your repentance from the work of the Spirit. Don't try to do one without the other. Don't try to have one without the other. Because there is fullness of life in Christ. And that fullness comes when you prepare and enter the feast.